I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. Hello one, hello all. This is a pod that I've been looking forward to, dreading, bit of both, a lot of research has gone into this. You're listening to the Dual Position Podcast, I am your host, the SC Whisperer, and listeners, I just want to cast your mind back to last Friday when Brew and I were discussing how we were going, how the situation happened, and I just want to play you back a little clip from that podcast. Um, but I'm staying strong and I'm dodging dodging COVID like a you know ninja master. Dodging COVID like a ninja master. Brew, how are you going? Yeah, uh, so we recorded that podcast on uh, Thursday afternoon. Uh, probably an hour or two later, I started feeling bad. I had the world's worst sleep that night. Sweats, fevers, headaches. Did some tests the following day and the Ninja Warrior uh, was caught out and has COVID. So I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. Uh, you might have to do a bit more of the talking than me today, so I don't cough and sneeze and whatnot into the into the microphone. And apologies to the viewers if you do hear a bit of sniffing or a, a loud barking dog sound in the background. It's just me battling through COVID-19. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because many, many people were affected by COVID-19, but the irony is is there. Um, you're, you're, you're doing all right, which is... Which is the good thing. Um, yeah, so apologies if you hear some sniffles or some coughs today. And you'll probably hear my voice a little bit more often today because I'll, I'll try and carry this ship. Um, as I said, we, we were doing Set of Wings this week, Monday, Wednesday. We've got about 20 names today to discuss. Uh, we, basically, the way we're going to do it is we're going to go price point top to bottom. So there's going to be no Will Panasinis. There'll be no Talon Mays, Isaac Tagos today. Um, we'll probably touch on those guys either in the team preview or, t- or tomorrow or on Wednesday. Sorry, but... Definitely get the guns out of the way first because I think a lot of people are wondering what we do, I guess, with the two big dogs. And that, and that is Garrick and Toto. And, and Garrick was the centre wing one uh, with an average of 80, was it 87.5? Ridiculous. Uh, I know in a lot of drafts he went undrafted. So would have been the way the pickup of the year. He had a base of 27, attack of 63, 80 minutes a game, 60-60 over 58%. So for a guy that averaged nearly 90 points. The 50-50 wasn't, sorry, the 60-60 wasn't fantastic and he comes in at an eye-watering price. He's the headline topic today. A lot of people are getting behind him and I, I don't really understand why. He is so reliant on Turbo and, and people say, oh, well, he had one good score at fullback and that was against the Cowboys from memory. I think he's got 100-odd. But ever since then, like, it just didn't click with him without Turbo on the side. Same with, with uh, Jason Saab. I understand his goal-kicking, which is really, really nice, but like mainly, I don't really think we can see the production from Tebo again at 143 or whatever it is. I have him penciled in at around 117, 118. There's just not a chance in the world I can spend 767k bro on on Ruben Garrick. Like such a, I'm, I'm I am worried it's a flash in the pan. Yeah, I can't do it myself personally. Uh, the 27 base is probably subpar. Um, 
it's there or thereabouts. You add in, say, 10 points for goal kicking, you know, 14, let's say, on a really good day. If he doesn't cross the the try line, you're looking at, what, a mid-40s type score. Um, and for nearly $800,000, like, I can't do that. But volatile is one way to describe center. And I think that will be the case when it comes to these guys at the higher end. Maybe maybe not the next bloke we'll talk about, Toto, because he's a different kettle of fish. But with Garrick, it only takes a few games without, you know, tries and turbo absolutely lighting it up. And he's going to drop a couple hundred K. Well, the Seagulls play Manly and the Roosters the first two rounds. We, we, we know this because we, we've discussed on turbo. And then their draw opens up fantastically after that. But, like, even a good score against the Bulldogs in round three might not stop the inevitable... 100, 150k price drop, depending on how he goes against the, the Panthers and the Roosters. So, like, I just can't do it myself. I'd much rather spend the money on Brian Tyre, who, who is our number two option, with an average of 80, was 84. You would expect Stephen Crichton to come into the centres on the, the left-hand side, which isn't fantastic for Tyre, but I'm not overly worried with a base of 42, like, from a winger that's just phenomenal. Uh, base power up around 60. So, he is he is a freak. He's 60, 60, 78%, much I guess more consistent, the most consistent option in, in the second row. Sorry, in the center wings, he is a pretty penny at seven hundred and thirty-eight k. He originally was in my initial draft, but it was just way too much money to have there. If you pick him, he's a set and forget guy. You'll have him there all year. I'm not worried about that. You're probably going to experience a price drop. I think he may be probably five or six points overpriced. Um, I expect a lot of these guys that had monster years to to have regression and tires no different, but. I've got a lot more faith in Toto than I do Garrick. Yeah. Um, Toto, I can understand people going for Toto to start. I personally, I just can't justify spending 700000 in the centres to start the season. I think there's a lot of value at centre in particular this season. His base is phenomenal. It's by far the best. You know what you're going to get. You know, you... I think you penned him a, a front rower that plays on the wing and that kind of has set. I've seen other people referencing that since then. And that is correct. The way that he, you know, carries the ball back and acts like an extra, you know, forward coming off their own goal line is immense. You know, you're always probably going to get a minimum of say 50 or 60, which is keeper levels. If you're not worried about the the flux in the price, then he is a set and forget. For me, I'd rather wait until, you know, let's say he averages 70 over the first five weeks. You're going to pick him up cheaper, but he's scoring immensely. And I would rather do that than pay for the 85 average. I will say this, but I'll, I'll take Toto over Garrick every single day of the week, twice on Sundays. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of draft boards have Garrick over Toto, and I, and I cannot understand that for the life of me. Maybe um, maybe for ceiling, I get it in draft. Um, but I think... He might win you some matches, but he might lose you some matches. Toto is just always going to keep you in that contest. And the weeks that he does score, bang, you'll win. Yeah, I mean, Toto with a try is 100 points a game. And like, and then that's fantastic. And I don't know. I just, I much prefer Toto over Garrick. As for him being a prop in a front row, a prop in a winger's body, I'd love to claim that, but I stole that one from Ryan from Supercoach365. So really good reference from him. Um, I'll, I'll just claim it for myself. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm much bigger on Toto than I am on Garrick. Um, yeah, people have Garrett going top 15 for draft. I don't see it. Um, I wouldn't be confident to spend a high second round pick on him. So classic-wise, yeah, I'm, I'm so far against taking Garrick. Uh, I'd much rather spend... I'd much rather take Toto. I'd, I'd even much rather take Toto at Garrick's price, and we're getting Toto at, at a discounted rate. 
one thing that I think would go in Toto's favour is that I think the Panthers, if you look at it, you know, from round one all the way up to the first buy, I think they've probably got the best draw of anyone in the comp. So that certainly does go in Toto's favour if you were to start the season with him. I don't think he'll let you down, but personal standpoint, I'm not paying... Uh, basically, I'm not paying 500 plus for a centre. Just goes against my tactics. The one thing I could, I guess, point towards taking Garrick at round one is that matchup in round three. So I've said this before, and I'll say it again when we touch on fullbacks, but the Storm play uh, Parramatta. The Panthers play Newcastle. So you could Captain Cleary there. Uh, the Roosters play... Souths, and then obviously Souths put the Roosters. So all the, the top big four sides don't have fantastic matchups apart from Penrith and the Seagulls. If you don't go turbo, um, there's a world where you do Captain Garrick round three against the Dogs. But I guess that's the only shining light that I've got for taking Garrick uh, over Toe is the fact that you could Captain Garrick in, yeah, round three. Mate, I've I've absolutely ragged on Garrick for the last five minutes. I'm going to rag on the next bloke as well. It's Alex Johnston. Um, oh, God. If he hasn't scored a try, mate, there's a 20-point game incoming. Yeah, sometimes if that. So Johnston averaged 72.8 last year, which is absolutely immense. But if you look at Mansell, who basically took that over, he couldn't get a spot in the side until Johnston got injured. And what he did when he came into the side, it's more around being on that potent left edge of South than it is about the player. Johnston as a player, 20 base is pathetic. It's, you know, him and Addo Carr are very similar players and they both have the same base figure of, of 20 and then big in terms of the attack. So he had 55 attack was his points for last season. That's the second best of anyone we'll discuss today. 63% of the time, the 60-60, that's quite good for Johnson. But again, South had one hell of a season last year. They made it all the way to the grand final. He's he's not a worker. Um that side obviously is going to miss some players early. They're going to have to find a new structure. They've got a new coach. They might not play the same systems. They've got a new halfback. You know, things will be different. And I can't see him holding up a $640,000 price tag. Personally, he is a massive, massive avoid for me. Yeah, no no disrespect to AJ because he's a phenomenal try scorer. But, mate, I am five foot six. I could have scored. 15 tries last year in that South Edge. So, like, yeah, no, nothing against AJ. He's very good at what he does. He'll go down as one of the best try scorers of all time. But, yeah, the 72.8 massively inflated. I do expect um, Latrell to have a big year. I think listeners of the show know how high I am on Latrell. And so AJ's not going to fall for Cliff, but I'm not paying for an average of 73 when he's probably around 60, realistically. Pick the moment. Um, yeah. My, no, my comments here, I said pick the moment. So when South have a run and his price has dropped and Walker's in form, that's the moment that you want to pick Johnson up. I don't think you want to pick him up pre-season to start round one. I think round six, I've said this before as well, round six to about round 21, Souths have maybe one or two tough games. So if you're going to pick him up... he won't play Origin either, so... Uh, It depends on what Cody Walker does as well. You doubt he plays Origin. Uh, Luttrell will obviously go into Origin camp, but yeah, Souths could thrive just off Walker alone during that time period, so... Picking up AJ over the buy, hopefully you get him at around 500k-ish, which will be a good discount, and then you just sell him on once the draw opens back up for finals. Uh, mate, he's partner in crime. No surprise that Dane Gagai also had uh, a career year. That left edge was just lethal. Cody, Latrell, uh, AJ, Gagai all had phenomenal seasons when it comes to scoring. He was a little bit more consistent with a, with a base of 33 
Attacker 39, 79 minutes a game, basically an 80-minute player. I owned, Garrick, uh, I owned Gagai in parts of last season, and he was good in, in stretches, but in this night side, man, they've just lost Braley. There's absolutely no idea what's happening. Like, Gagai, no, hard avoid. Yeah, um, shout out to Braley, poor kid, snapping his Achilles. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, we'll discuss that more as the preseason goes on. Gagai, his numbers are kind of very similar to Johnson, but flipped. He's higher in the base. He's less in the attack, uh, which makes sense. You know, he, he wouldn't get all the balls that were cut out to Johnston. But as you said, the the Knights, they're not the Rabbitohs. And I, I think he's a massive trap this season. Um, he's got he's got a very good base, which is good. You know, you're going to get something. But what are we going to get from Newcastle this year? I honestly don't know. Like, with the losses that they've had of Pierce and now Braley, they could be a bottom four side for all we know this year. And that, that's probably taking it a little bit too far. But we just don't know. If, if Ponga's very injury prone, if they lose Ponga for any period of time, I just don't think they've got the skill in that squad to cover it. And I think they might be a real poor side. They're a poor side. They're not going to score many points and Gagai is going to suffer. Yeah. Gagai at what? 68.4. I've got him penciled maybe around 54 average. That's on a good day. So yeah, that's probably back to normal for Gagai. I think that's probably what he was in seasons past. And that's what I expect. So a big, big, big regression there. Uh, mate, we've listed Josh Mann, so I'm not going to really touch on him too much. I don't even think he starts. And for a bloke that's 570k, yeah, I mean, he was good in parts. If Johnston goes down, then load up on Mansour. But the talk is right now that uh, Tane Milne will be the right winger, AJ obviously the left. Uh, the centre spots will be Campbell Graham and Jackson Paulo by the sounds of it. So not a whole lot to talk about on Mansour. Average 65. Um, another one of these guys, similar to Chris Randall that we touched on in the hooker pod that he is behind the depth charts, will need an injury to get him there. Um, so not really going to ask for your opinion on Mansour. But Val Holmes, playing this year in the centres, he seems pretty keen at the move here. The issue is the the price tag. If he was maybe 100k cheaper, I could take a look at it. But goal kicking in a really poor side, I'm not going to give too much stock in the goal kicking because he's playing for the Cowboys, who a lot of people have tipped for 15th, 16th. So it's tough with, with Holmes. I just wish he was yeah, maybe 100k cheaper. Yeah, if he was priced at a mid-50s average, there, there could be an option there. But... I've I've based what I was going to say today on the fact that he's going to play wing. It's since come out in the last couple of days that he's going to play left centre and he's going to apparently try and move around the field like Tom Chbojevic did in origin, which sounds great in theory, but he's not Tom Chbojevic. Not, not many people to, so it's, it's, it's easier so, said than done. And, it, and just in general, having a centre that moves around the field, it takes a lot of structure. And it takes a lot of practice and I'm just not sure they're going to have the execution to pull that off. I understand them wanting him to be involved more in their attack. You know, Townsend's a solid halfback, but he's not the most creative. Um, who knows who plays beside him? Drinkwater did. And I think yeah. I, 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 who knows? So I, I just, like you said, they're going to be a lowish side. His base is okay, but it's not great. Uh, his attacking numbers were quite good last year, but they would have been inflated by the fact that he is a goal kicker. 55% of the time went 60 plus, which isn't too bad. It's probably better than I expected that number to be. I didn't think Val was very good last year, but if he's on the wing, he's a massive avoid. His numbers were putrid on the wing compared to fullback last year. If he plays at center, 
maybe his base gets a little bit of an uptick with some extra tackles, maybe a few extra carries. He would really, really be reliant on being a Matt Burton type center. If he was creative as a center and could get the try assists, then there's an option that he becomes an option, I guess, at some point down the road. But to start the season sight unseen, there is no way in hell I am touching that, and especially for that price tag. Yeah, I'm not advising anyone to start with Val Holmes come round one. Yeah, like his best position is the wing. Like when it comes to just being a, a sheer NRL player, his best position is on the wing. Um, but for Supercoach wise, not good. Prefer him back at fullback and prefer him 100k cheaper. So big avoid. I was actually surprised looking at Jordan Rappen's stats, mate. 62.3 average, uh, 50, a 60-60 of 50%. Similar Holmes, Holmes though, but with a 50, 550k price tag. I'm very surprised about his output because he seemed very solid last year with a 62 average, as we said. Um, so there's options there down the line if the Raiders can sort their shit out and not punch on with each other and just sort out the harmony in the club. But same with Holmes, mate. Round one, Rappenau probably... A no-go for me, just with the price tag. Yeah, we, look, he doesn't have the base that he used to have. He's he's not the Rapana of old. He did improve in his numbers. So, you know, he came back from Japanese rugby a little bit on the chub side, and he's worked hard on that, and his fitness is probably a lot better now than it was. His numbers at fullback were very, very good. If he was playing fullback this season and slotting in, uh, sorry, available at centre for Supercoach, then he could have been an option. But I also don't know how the Raiders are going to go this year. Are they going to be a top six side? Are they going to be a bottom six side? So for that reason, I'm avoiding him. Uh, if he were to slip back into the fullback role during the season, if something were to happen to, you know, Chance or anything like that, then he might become an option down the road. But to start the season, you know, I'd take the man that we'll talk about next, with the next two people or three people that we'll talk about before I'd take Rappiner. Seems to be a common denominator here, mate. You and I, looking at our teams, have very similar centre wing setups. And normally we have a bit of a disagreement on this show. There's a bit of variety, but seems like these top tier centre wings, apart from Brian Toto, are just yeah m- money pits by the sounds of it. We might have to start fighting. I think people like it when we argue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there'll, there'll be some talking points definitely later on in this, in this episode. And then I think you and I have a lot to discuss on Wednesday as well, but... These Wednesday will be good. Yeah, these these top tier guys, so like your your top seven options, apart from Tyle, I can't go near any of them. Um I don't mind Jesse Raymond. Sixty three point one average, five hundred and fifty two K. Uh just a base stat machine. We didn't see the best of him at the Knights, went back to the Sharks. We got back to the best of what Jesse Raymond can do. Uh I like this one more than I like the other ones. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, I don't mind it because I'm really hot. Like I'm higher on the Sharks this season than most people are. I genuinely think that they will finish in the top six. A lot of people haven't finished around eighth, but I like what they did at the back end of last year. They didn't have Sean Johnson very much last year. The young players had the opportunity to get a lot of experience playing with each other. And I think the experience of Fanukan coming from, you know, the storm and then, 
you know, you've got Hines coming also from the same system, but he's such a talented player, in my opinion. I think he will go really well. Um, and I know that's something that I've argued a lot uh, in messages and on the air, but I really like Hines next year. And I think someone like a, a Ramian or the opposite centre will benefit from it. I think they'll get an uptick in attacking stats. And Ramian with his really high floor in that base, like 33 is one of the best that there is. Um I don't mind it if it, if it's if you want to. Some people and I, I often do this will pick their centers early based on draw because it's such an it's such a position where ignomatic. You know, yep. So normally I could say that word, but with my congestion, a little bit harder. Um, you know, you get the fluctuations, and if you can ride the draw, you can ride the price, and then you've got you know a position where you can go, oh, I'm not too far off Brian Tottle. Oh, well you know, cash out a cow and, and, and make the move. So I don't mind it. Yeah, if you can get a slight uptick in Ramian, so if, if you can get him to go from 63 to, say, 68, and then we can get Tyler to go from 84 down to, like, a 75, then the money the money difference isn't too bad, and you can definitely use Ramian as a stepping stone. Um, you mentioned the it's shark... five center. Yeah, exactly. Too. Like, yeah. A, that, just that few points in average uptick, which you could get easily by just adding a few extra tries or a try assist here or there, puts you in the top five for last season, which was an immense season for averages at center. Gets you similar to a um, Dan Gagro level of what he did last year, which uh, would be great. Correct. And then you could you could obviously get cash at toe. Um, you mentioned the Sharks have a really good draw. There's going to be a, an uptick. Um, you mentioned you're keen on Ramian and whoever the other center is. Talking with you, you seem to think Matt Ikevalu might be the other centre. Um, give us your thoughts on, on Iku. Yeah, I just I feel like the, the wing positions are locked down. And with with Katoa, I don't think they, Katoa and Molotano. Yeah, yeah. Ronaldo. Um, so I just feel like they don't, they didn't bring this guy to the club, you know, to sit, sit on the sideline and cut oranges. I, I feel like, you know, they brought him across. He's come from a good rooster system. He was a proven try scorer. Uh, he had a good work rate. Uh, 27 base in the Roosters is pretty good when you've got some of the other ball carriers that they have in that side. His attacking numbers, well, I wouldn't put too much into those numbers because they were for a different club and they were on a very pro- prolific wing. Right wing at the Roosters is nearly as good as the left wing for the for the Rabbitohs. So, yeah, it's a little bit skewed there, but... Um... I get your sense. Just yeah, if like if he does play left center and he plays off Hines, that could be money. You know, that could be genuine money. He's also got Wade Graham. You know, if he's fit and firing on the same side, who is a noted ball player, you could get put to a lot of holes on that left edge. And I just think, I think wait for a drop, but certainly he could become an option at some point in time. I do not have as much faith in Hines as you do, so therefore I probably can't put much stock in Ikevalu. Uh, but no no doubting the try-scoring ability he's got. I just think he's probably... like Let's say he starts at left centre. I still think he's maybe seven points overpriced right now. Not around one start for me. If you're a diehard Sharks fan, I understand why you pick him. But for me, I'd probably avoid... I've got him around 55 on a good day. So might get him a little bit cheaper uh, when the Sharks gel. I've been pretty vocal about how I think the Sharks are going to take five or six rounds to, to put it all together. And then you could maybe look at jumping on Ikevalu, um after that sort of post-round five draw gets tougher and when it starts to open back up. Uh, Joe Manu was really frustrating last year for me because I didn't own him. A lot of people did. And I feel like he was the kind of guy that would just pump out scores. Um, I think he's one of the best fullbacks in the game if he if he got a start there long term. But with Teddy there, he's not going to. So 
to say his best footy, I think he'd have to move. But uh, as a Roosters fan, I'm sure you could um, confirm or deny. Didn't he just sign a, a new deal and he took a pay cut? Just shows you how much he wants to be the Roosters and obviously enjoys playing in the centres. I don't think he took a pay cut, but he took a cut on what he could have got if he'd left the club and, say, went to the Warriors or oh, somewhere he, like that, he, where he could be, have been given a six. He'd be 800k a year if he went and played fullback elsewhere. Um, so I guess it just shows, shows you the culture that the Roosters have, and and he doesn't mind playing in the centres. Obviously, coming back from the what is it, broken eye socket, whatever it was from Latrell shoulder, not going to have a huge impact on his footy ability. Sixty-one point five. Do we think that improves? Do we think it stays the same? Do we think it goes down? Had a sixty-sixty of forty-eight percent. We're paying five forty k for him. Uh, base was really good. Base is very similar to Jesse Ramian. Base was very similar to Dane Gagai. And 10 points below Brian Toto, who's the outlier. So there is some merit for picking Joe Manu. Um, I've seen a couple of followers of mine send me their teams with Manu in there. And it's I'm not too sure if I want them to keep Manu or if I want them to sell him. It's just a lot of money to be paying for a guy who... Does he have much more of a ceiling to go to when it comes to Supercoach in the centres? Uh, in the centres, I wouldn't pick him. But if he pick, he's picked on that right wing, his numbers in terms of base and obviously attack would increase heavily. Like the base does attack. We've seen that when he has filled in or played on the wing, but we were discussing earlier Ikevalu. And, you know, if you go before that, Brett Morris's 18 months with the Roosters were absolutely phenomenal. Talking about a guy that was, you know, seven, $750,000 and scoring tries for fun. If Manu gets on that wing, he is an absolute genuine pot option to start the season because I do think there is a possibility that he plays wing and Suwali plays centre because it's his preferred position. Touch wood. Nothing happens to to Tedesco, but if anything was to happen to Teddy, uh, Manu would be straight into my side uh, because him at fullback is just electric. So you're picking a fullback at centre wing. It's a lot of money to spend there, but you could basically run three fullbacks. Uh, But we're all all hoping nothing happens to Teddy. I don't want to put any kind of mocker on him because... Basically, basically built my side around the bloke. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, mate, I've, I've done a lot of mock drafts with some friends. I've probably done upwards of 20 mock drafts in the last month. And in most of them, Adokar is taken 10th round later. Shows you how far his stocks would fall moving clubs. I understand the Bulldogs have a lot of hype, but it's just not going to be... We're not going to see the best of the Bulldogs next year. It'll probably be two or three years down the line. 61 average coming out of Melbourne for 536k. I could not be further away from this one, especially with that horrid base. That is AJ levels of base. No, I'd be picking the two blokes inside him, to be honest, if not three blokes inside of him. Um, Yeah, as you said, dogs are not the storm. Uh, Dogs will be a much improved side this year, but Rome wasn't built in a day. There also needs to be some patience. It's going to take time to build combinations. I'm sure he'll do great things for that club. Uh, and I'm sure he'll have some big days this season as well. And at some point, maybe he will be a little pot option that you could pick up cheap and and carry and, and play on matchups. But to start the season, I don't think he's going to average 61.2, especially with a 20 base and a horrid draw from rounds three through nine, I think it is. So, um, no, nah, he's a pass for me. Uh, his attacking numbers aren't going to match the 44 from last season, which is, you know, third or fourth best for the season overall. So he is just a wait and see um, and wait for a uh, healthier run of games. How crazy is it to say that come round 10, Adokar's averaging 41, which is the 20-point drop-off of last year? 
I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it'll be similar for him and Johnston. I wouldn't be surprised if Johnston's averaging 40, you know, after five rounds of this season. Yeah, I'm so cold on the ball. The only Bulldogs player I'm actually keen on is TPJ, and that's and that's it. So, like, Adokar at 536k, not a chance in the world. People are going to get sucked into this, I feel. People are going to see the superstar winger at a new club with new recruits. But just go look at the Bulldogs' first eight rounds. It's, it is horrid. So... Yeah, my biggest bit of advice is do not look at Adokar at all. Uh, I'm probably not probably not even going to be looking at him this year. I don't really care what price he falls down to. I'm probably not going to look at him at all. Uh, I'm going to look at him. What was that? I never go there. Yeah, I, I, like I, I went there last year. Like I, went there, I went there went there last year, and it was it was it was okay. Um, but yeah, it's just the Bulldogs, man. Like I just don't do not have faith in they're going to put it together in, in one year. Uh, Daniel Tupo, I really like him with with Kiri back. Uh, I think Kiri is going to help Walker, and they sort of sit side by side and 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 patrol the field. He has yeah Gagai levels of base, Ramian levels of base, thirty two. He is one of the elite, just pure base wingers. He just didn't see as many try scoring chances last year as what I guess we would have liked from him. With Suwali, if he does play left center, you think they're going to use Tupo more. Uh, I don't think they're going to feed Suwali to the to the Wolves straight away. So, Tupo could Suwali's see... right centre. Right, right centre. So, what, they're, they're going to play Manu at left. Momorowski at left. Yeah, I don't know what you think this Rooster side's going to be. It's going to be an interesting one, but we know that Tupo is going to be locked into the left wing. Like, that's not moving. Yeah. 59.1, fantastic base, 518k. <sighs> I, just, like, I just worry that his ceiling is like 64. So there's like not a whole lot of value there. You're never going to go wrong with him, um, but I don't think he's going to be this fantastic moneymaker when his ceiling is probably, yeah, only four or five points higher than what we saw last year. Now, so what happens with Tupo is he regressed a lot last season compared to previous seasons, and that makes sense. You know, Teddy didn't have as good a season as he had previously. They lost Kiri. They had a whole lot of injuries. They started attacking right the more than they were attacking left. So it makes sense that he would see regression. His base was there. It was good. Uh, his attack was poor, um, which goes with what I've just said. You know, Walker was also a rookie halfback. So, you know, he started like a house on fire and then he got caught out. People caught on to the Harbour Bridge pass and he had to change, you know, his style of attack a little bit. I think he needs he needs com- like consistent, sorry, consistent tries to really be relevant. Even when he does score, we're only looking at 75 to 85 as these rough areas. I just think there's better options elsewhere, to be honest. If if I've got a player and he's scoring a try, I'm hoping that try knocks him up to, say, 90 or 100. Not, you know, score a try and get what last season was still only, you know, a good score. Yeah, that's it. Like, if for some reason Robbo put Tupo on the right wing, uh, load up on him all day, but... That left just seems a little bit barren for the Roosters. I don't really think much is changing. You would expect Kiri, um, Tedesco, Manu, uh, just to slam the right. So, yeah, for, for me, Tupo, he's not going to do you wrong. Uh, if you're just looking for a safe pair of hands, Tupo is probably the guy. Um, but 518k, I don't think there's a whole lot of room to improve. So, yeah, give it a miss for me personally. Um, I'm also going to give Brian Kelly a miss. Now, this guy had so much hype last year, so much. Everyone was on him. Started the season with him. I I was choosing between Brian Kelly and Toto, and then um, I went Kelly, and that that backfired. And then I went Kelly to Toto. 
Yeah, after after round two, I did that when Kelly got injured first round. But 58.5, not bad, but just not enough to put him above here. Uh, I'm just... The Titans are getting more and more loaded year on year, and Brian Kelly's becoming less and less... Not relevant, but they're not relying on him as heavily. So, yeah, I'm probably going to get us a miss. The narrative last season was, you know, that Kelly would take the next step, but he hasn't, and he hasn't for three years. His scores are extremely consistent across the board. Um, of pretty much a 57 average for three years running. And 57 average in the modern super coach game is, it's just not enough um, for someone that you would consider, say, a keeper center. And I just don't think he has the ceiling to go to the next level. Um, and I don't see his price fluctuating all that much. I think he'll stay fairly consistent as to where he is. So if, for example, he did start getting an uptick, then I would jump on him and I don't think it would cost you too much. So for me, he's just a watch, but I don't think he's a buy. I'm not going to take any of them, but I'd much prefer the other Titan center and Greg Marzu. Uh, 58.3, 31 base, 30 attack, 50%, 60, 60, 510k. I'm not going near Marzu, but I'd just prefer to take him over Kelly if I had to take one of the two. I would love, love to take Marzu. He was one of the blokes in the... When the season ended last year, I was like, oh, I'm going to start the season with that guy. Yeah, the price but is Unfortunately, so he came in at 510 and not 410, and I was just like, oh, no, I can't I can't do that. Um, one thing I will say is I think his price is on point um, at, at roughly where it will stay as well. Um, he scored five tries in the eight games that he played, so that's the thing for me. That's why I don't want to pay the 510 because you're not always going to have a run where you score five tries in eight games. I think he'll average five tries in eight games over the season, but he's the kind of guy that probably could go four or five games without scoring and then put and on... Then score three. Yeah, <laughs> score seven in a month. Like, he's, yeah, that kind of uh, enigma. Very, very good base. We've been waiting for Greg Marzu to, to explode. He's been preseason cheapy for the last four years, and it was good to see him finally, yeah, play, play some games and, and show us what he can do. But both the Titans um, centres and the winger in Corey Thompson as well. Like, Corey Thompson... Start of the season like a house on fire. This is just a story with the Titans. They go through runs. It just you, you've got to depend on which play you're going to pick up. He averaged 58, 27 base, 32 attack, uh, a 60, 60 of 41 percent. But we cast our minds back to the first like seven rounds. I think he was averaging close to 80 points a game, um, which yeah, really good for Corey Thompson. He was scoring a lot of a lot of long range tries, which probably skewed a little bit. You're not going to expect your winger to score 80 meter 80 meter meat pies week on week. So, yeah, the three-headed trio of, of Kelly, Mazu, Thompson, put a blanket over them. I'd be giving them all a miss. They're all a very similar price. They're all very similar average, and they're all – that's crazy. Like, if you wanted to punt on the Titans, just flip a coin and take one because their numbers are all very, very similar. They, they've got very similar base, you know, 30, 31, 27. Um, their attacking output's very similar as well, 32, 30, and 32. So, it's just going to come down to if, if you're – Picking a team that's got a decent draw and the Titans draw isn't too bad by any means. You could take a punt, um, but I don't know which one's going to be the benefactor. But I will say this, post-injury, these numbers went down the toilet compared to what they were over the first seven or eight weeks. Yeah. Um, too many mouths to feed there, I think, when it comes to the Titans. Uh, very, very good side on paper, super coach wise I think there's just too many kicks, cooks in the kitchen, if I can speak. Uh, mate, Frantessi knew. 58.3, 27 base, 34 uh, attack, 44% over under 60. I penciled this guy in to play Origin last year um, when he was still very green, copped a lot of flack for that. But when he moved to fullback, 
looked. It's it's hard to put a to put a number on Tessie because he fluctuated so much with the Broncos. Um, I think the Broncos obviously will be improved, but how much is Tessie going to improve on on the fifty eight? I think it's very similar. Remember how we were talking about like uh, Daniel Saifidi, Christian Welch, Mo Fodawaka, how you can throw a blanket over them? I think you can throw a blanket over Kelly New, Marzu Thompson, Sione Katoa as well, um, put him in that category. So if you're going to take one of these mid, mid-range mid 500k guys, I'd probably prefer to take New just because I think there's more attack for him compared to the rest. But Especially playing fullback. Yeah. Um, yeah, so last season, 63.7 average at fullback. That's... That's certainly not bad. Um, it's not elite fullback numbers, but it, he didn't have a preseason training in that position. It, he wasn't the plan to play fullback. He just became the fullback, you know, as the Broncos naturally chopped and changed their side like they have for the last two or three seasons under good old Kevy. Um, I don't mind him. I think he's a huge pot option. Uh, the Broncos draw from memory isn't too bad to start the season. Uh, he's base, I think it was dropped off at fullback, but his attacking numbers increased heavily. So it's not the worst shout. I'll say that. The problem with five hundred. The problem. The problem with the Broncos is, let's say Tessie starts like a house on fire. So they play South and they play the Bulldogs and they play Newcastle and they play the Warriors. Three pretty good fixtures there. So you're going to get two price rises out of him. But then they play the Roosters and the Panthers, and then it opens back up a little bit more. So I, I don't like booking in trades. But like after round four, you'd probably flick him on because the money that you've made from the three really good fixtures, you're probably going to lose uh, against the Panthers and the Roosters. So in saying that, I'd probably just wait until the Broncos draw gets better, which I think is like round eight, round nine, um, personally. Because I, I just don't want to pick him up for three weeks and then I have an injury in my side and then I've got to hold him and then the money that I've made from Marzu goes down the... No, not Marzu. The money that I made from New just goes down the toilet when they play the two elite sides. So... Looking at the draw, I'd probably miss picking him up, hopefully, for around 500k-ish if he loses 10k thanks to those two good games. It just depends on how he starts uh, rounds two, three, and four. If he doesn't look good, then obviously put the, put the red marker through him. If he looks good in those three games, we can just pick him up after the games against the Panthers and the Roosters. So looking at your draws, I think that's pretty crucial if you're looking at these mid-range guys. Look at when you can get on them how long their run is going to sustain for, and then try and look to cash out there and build as much value as possible. Um, I mentioned Sione Katoa, chuck a blanket over him in the same breath that we've put Kelly New, Marzu Thompson, 57.6. You're high on the Sharks. Are you expecting Katoa to have an uptick, or do you think around 55, 57.5 is where he sort of lies? Yeah, I think he's probably priced roughly um, where he should be. I owned him for probably the last... 10 rounds, I think, of last season. And I know a couple of weeks he really frustrated me with a 20. And I think he, there was a might have even been an 11. I think the second week I owned him. But he finished the season really strong. I think he scored two or three tons in the last five weeks. And then there might have been a 70 and a 90 in there as well. So he's certainly got the potential. He's the type of guy that I would target a time period that you want to get him when they've got a healthy draw and maybe pick him up as a pod move. Uh, that's what I did last year. He's very heavily reliant on attacking stats. Um, 21 base. He's very, so that's, he's, he's a bit like that's um, Car Alex of Johnson. Base. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so he's one of those players, like if you're going to do it, pick your time but you've got you be aware. But you've got to grit your teeth and, and be prepared to sit through the 20s because he will give you 100, but yeah. 
Exactly right. And, and he probably will be a huge pod too, like he was last season for this very reason. So you need to, he's the type of player that I pick up when I have depth of center so I can rotate yeah. my centers based on matchups, basically. When, when when you're confident that you can play one or two guys over him from your bench, um, I think that's a perfect kind of pick him up, as you said, because then you can just play him matchup based. Um, I guess you pick him up once money doesn't become an issue anymore and you're happy to lose maybe 100k on him if he goes through a month of, of poor scores. But he's the kind of guy that will always pull up, uh, pull out a ton um, just out of nowhere. He'll score two or three tries and score 130 and... And that'll be a good day out for him, but just be prepared to to grit your teeth through the the twenty five scores that he gets. So, yeah, similar Addo card. Much prefer to take Katoa over Addo card just because the Sharks are going to be better than the the Bulldogs. Um, Jack Bird is an interesting one. So he's priced at an average of fifty seven, which is four hundred and ninety eight k. Is he going to play in the back row? Is he going to play at fullback? Is he going to play in the centres? Is he going to play at lock? I probably can't put Jack Bird in my side until I know what Anthony Griffin's going to be doing with this Dragon side. I'd love to see him play 12, because uh, I think he could be similar to a Ewan Aiken uh, and just pump out 65, basically all in base. He's that kind of, of player. Uh, I was really happy to see him get through last year injury-free. It's been a couple of years for Jack Bird, and I really like the way he plays, so it's good to see him um, get through some footy. His numbers are basically all at centre, so if he does play in the forwards, it's hard to to make comments similar to AJ Brimson when we were discussing him on the 5.8th podcast. If Bird is to be named 12, do we like him at 500k? Yeah, so I sent out um, a tweet yesterday basically asking if anyone had Smokies uh, that they were looking at uh, at this point in the preseason and and Bird was one of the ones that came up and I apologise, I said that we were going to discuss this on Wednesday. I got uh, got my days wrong, so... Here we are discussing it now. I actually, since doing the numbers, I'm really high on the on Jack Bird. Um, I know I owned Bird last season, and he was he was good to own, but he was frustrating to own from the point of view that he played seven, he played one, he played center, he played in the forwards. So it was really annoying because he couldn't find a consistency in position. If he plays in the front row, his numbers from last year gave him a 67 average. In in, in the back row, really I, I, I don't think Jack Bird's suiting up in the front row. Do you mean the back row? Sorry, yeah, in the back row. So if he basically if he That'd plays be on a the sight edge, to see. Uh, sixty-seven average, a sixty-seven average at center, again is a top five that you're getting for sub five hundred. So anyone that's really eyeballing you and Aitken, who has come out and said that he's going to start in the back row, but may shift to center at some point during the season. I think there's more security in Bird um, if he is named to start the season on an edge or potentially at lock, because there is rumours that he'll play lock. I don't think he will. Um, I think he'll play in the back row. Um, if he's not, if I see him named in the 12, I'm going to be extremely tempted to pick this guy up because I feel like he's going to be a 60 to 65 set and forget lock away in your centres for the season. A little bit like we've had in seasons past. You know, Capewell came in last season probably what low 400s yeah 416 i think from memory and he was a frustrating ohm because he, he was reliant on those tries jack bird won't be reliant on the tries jack bird will get you pure base and power week in week out 60 plus average for sub 500k it is an absolute steal um and him versus aitken is a really interesting discussion for me now after pulling these numbers yeah uh, i don't mind jack bird at all uh 498k um, if he plays if he plays 12, it'll be awesome. You would expect it to be him and Tarek Sims to be in the back row together. So Yeah, 
So and- I should note, just in case, if he's named at centre, 54.8 is his average when playing at centre. And that's a large sample size. He played most of last season at centre. So he's actually priced higher than what his actual average was at centre, making him an avoid yeah. if named in the number three or four. Exactly. Mate, I just scrolled down the run sheet and I noticed, I noticed we didn't talk about Kurt Mann on um, the 5.8th podcast and we didn't talk about him today. But obviously some stuff's happened and his stocks have, have trended up. There's talks about him playing lock. I don't have his stats on at lock. Um, but if he's to be named at nine, so the games that he started at nine, he's had seven appearances uh, with a 63.7 average in those seven games. He had a try assist, a try, two line breaks, and a line break assist. He has a 55 base power and averages about 75 minutes a game um, at nine. Kurt Mann could also be a very sneaky one to put in your center wings if he does get the the lock spot uh, or if he even gets the, the nine spot because he's priced at less than 400K as well. I think he's priced at 383. Three eighty three, yeah, three eighty three. Yep. So Kurt Mann, so his stocks have definitely risen in the last forty eight hours. Um, so I think it's just worth giving him a mention. Oh, absolutely. Um, I owned Kurt Mann whatever season it was, two or three seasons ago, and I think I ended up owning him for the entire season. He was that good when he was given the opportunity to play large minutes. And if he gets the nine, you know he's got a good work rate. You know he's got you know attack in him. And if he plays at lock, let's say. Connor Watson styles like last season. He's cheaper than what Watson was last year. He definitely is an option. Like at the moment, center is almost frustrating because there is so much option. Like we haven't even spoken about the four or five genuine cheapy options that we have. And then you're trying, you've now got all these dual position players, which are normally white gold to own in the centers that are available. And it's a bit like, well, which ones am I going to take? I can't have them all. Yeah, I feel I'm going to have to cheap out on second row this year. Um, just sort of having a quick think about it. Like, front row, I'm pretty locked in on Haas, Stefano, Hooker. We're not moving off Harry Grant. And now Chris Randall's come into the fold. Halfback, take your peak if you're not taking Cleary. Fullback, two guns is the way to go. So, I feel like 2RF is going to be where I'm cheaping out because there's a lot of value in the centres. Probably not so much that we spoke about today. Um, but definitely on Wednesday, there's there's a whole lot of um, a whole lot of value to talk about, mate. We have one more person on the list before we finish up today. This pod's gone a little bit quicker than I thought. I thought we'd be here for nearly nearly an hour. So I don't think Good we're well. gonna I don't think we're gonna spend 25 minutes talking about Campbell Graham. But at a 56.4 average on South Sydney's right uh, right edge. 34 base, really good base. That is the second best base of the, anyone we've spoken about today, uh, tied with Jack Bird, whose numbers were inflated by playing in the forwards. Campbell Graham, the, the only problem is a 24 attack, which is the worst, the worst attack of anyone today. So he needs to have an uptick in attack to be really relevant. And I just don't think he does with, with A-Ray uh, leaving on that right side. Yeah, I think he's a flat track bully. I just think he picks on the on the little kids, aka the you know bottom eight sides. Every time he plays a good side, he scores poorly. He's he's not in my calculations at all. I'm I'm not particularly a fan of picking the South back rowers to start this season. South's uh, centres. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Um, so yeah, Campbell Graham. And we'll, we'll quickly give a rundown. Toto, uh, Brew, and I are a, are a yes if you can find the cash. Garrick, Brew and I are a no. Johnston, we are a no. Gagai, we are a no. Mansell, we are a no. Holmes, we are a no. Rapana, we are a... Let's just say yes to try and give Wait some kind and of... Let, let's say yes to give some kind of positive, but more more or less, I think we'll be picking him up, picking him up for cheaper. Uh, Jesse Ramian, we both like. 
Um, it's just a case of if you can find the cash to get him in. Ikevalu, I'm not keen on, but Brew is. Uh, Manu, we're both sort of indifferent on. Adokar, we are both against. Tupo, Tupo, I'm for if you just like a safe pair of hands. Uh, Brew's no because of the ceiling. Brian Kelly, I'm a no. Brew is also a no on Kelly. Tessie New, we are a yes, but not for round one. Uh, Greg Marzu, we are also probably a yes, just not for round one. Uh, Corey Thompson, we're both a no. Sione Katoa, we are a yes, but you've just got to be prepared to grit your teeth through the tough uh, stretches that you're going to go through with him. Uh, Jack Bird, we are a big yes if he plays 12. If he plays centre, hard avoid. Um, mate, we didn't talk about Zach Lomax. Sorry, I just seen him on the list. Um, That's Zach why Lom- I was putting the two up. I'm like, no, no, we've got two to talk we've about. We've got two. We've got two to talk about. Okay, Zach Lomax. Um, how Lomax much- I was asked about on Twitter as well. How much faith um, can we put into this Dragon side? Uh, not a great deal, um, but he's he's got a pretty decent base. We know he's an extremely talented centre. He's also a goal kicker. Um, if they can find some points, um, if they're a poor side that still scores some points, then he'll get an uptick in his base plus power, um, which should put him in relatively decent floor areas. Um, when I ran his numbers, he actually had a uh, five-point game last season where he, you know, was out long-term. Do not fucking remind me because I bought him that week. Okay, yeah. He didn't play many minutes in that. Um, so tilted. If you take that game out, he's act, his base numbers are actually 31, uh, which puts him in the green. It puts him in the high end for base. Um, his average taking out that five-point game moves up to 63. Uh, which makes him about six or seven points undervalued. So I actually don't mind it because the the games that Zach Lomax did play last year were predominantly against good sides. He he didn't get to to pick on the Bulldogs and whatnot. He he played the Roosters twice. He played the Sharks. He played Manly. He played Penrith, and he only played a handful of games. So his numbers were actually quite good if you consider what he was up against and you take out that poor game. So I actually don't mind the, the low max shout. Um, I personally wouldn't take a center or a winger for the dragons to start the season, but it certainly would not surprise me if Zach Lomax ends up say a top 10 to 15 center for the season. Yeah. Yeah. The only, the only dragons center I'm taking is Jack bird on the proviso that he's named at 12. Um, but yeah, hearing those Zach Lomax numbers makes me cry because I picked him up the week he did his finger. So that was lovely. Um, but yeah, he is a phenomenal talent. I really like Lomax. He is one of the best goal kickers in the comp. Mate, Dragons can lose every game next year. I don't care as long as they score 20 points a game. Awesome. Um, but yeah, Lomax, he yeah is underpriced. I have him closer to 62, 63. As you said, without the injury, that takes him up around there. So... He's pretty middle of the pack, 28 base, 32 attack. Uh, he's 60-60, though, is 58%. So he goes better than 60 points more than half the time. He's, his average was 57. So that injury affects that. Zach Lomax, I really like the shout. Uh, I just want to see the Dragons put up some points. Um, basically, we run through everyone. Lomax, we like. Campbell Graham, we don't like. So, mate, that one went a little bit quicker than I thought. Uh, we're going to clock in just over 50 minutes, whereas I was sitting down here probably for an hour and a half. But... It's probably going to be a bigger discussion tomorrow because we're going to have more guys that we do like and more guys that we can uh, that we can touch on. The problem with center wings is it is the most volatile position. Uh, no, no two ways about that. Your base is basically under thirty, whereas your forwards, like your two RFs, are, are well over sixty. So it's hard to put stock in guys that are expensive that aren't named to Brian Toto. That's the only reason, I guess, why we weren't 
as keen on any of them. Mate, that's going to basically do it do us for today. Is there anything that uh, you wanted to add before we finish up? No, I've got some homework to do. I haven't run the numbers yet for the... I've got 25 names so far on the list. Um, anyone that responded to the shout-out on Twitter yesterday, I, I've added some names into it. You know, people wanted numbers on Selwyn Cobbo and whatnot. So um, I'll be able to provide some of that. Um, and yeah, and I'm actually must say I'm quite looking at Cobo now. Um, As am I. The yeah. Discussion on Twitter from shout Turkey out. Snow and the sh- Stats sh- Man. Shout out to the SA Stats Man and Turkey Snow. Uh, both those guys are fantastic at what they do. Um, give me a lot of stuff to talk about. Give me a lot of inspiration for posts. Yeah. And also, yeah, contributed to your Twitter thread really well. If you guys are on Twitter and you wanted to get in touch with myself or Brew, uh, Brew put up a post yesterday asking for your preseason Smokies, uh, and that is just at BrewSC22 on Twitter. Um, if you guys don't have Twitter and you want anyone to for us to talk about come Wednesday for your Center Wings um, that we haven't included, you know where to find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the YouTube comments, wherever. Um, but that's going to do it for today, mate. Um, you've got all the time in the world to go do this research, unfortunately, with uh, unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I, mean, I actually, isolation. I actually yeah. go back to work on Thursday after two years. Um, so that's going to be nice. that's going to be interesting. It got cleared for you guys that don't know. Um, pretty emotional day last week. My, my doctor called me and said that um, my eyesight's basically going to be as good as what it is. So we got to continue on with life. So two years of recovery done. I'm not too sure how much time I'm going to be able to have on my phone to give consistent updates. But I'm very much looking forward to back being a participating adult in society. Mate, that's just my little uh, my little rant out of the way. Thank you very much for joining me. Hopefully, you recover from COVID. Um, you are double jabbed, which is helping, I think. So, yeah, be safe, be kind. Can't get rid of me that easy. No, they can't. They can't get rid of you, unfortunately. Be safe, be kind, and ciao for now. Ciao for now, guys. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.